Welcome to Wanderings Today. Sil Stemmen here with Sandy Washington, and we have such an exceptional, wonderful... <laughs> she's rolling her eyes. <laughs> it's wonderful to have you here. Well, this is Michelle Fraternali. Fraternali, that's correct. I have worked correct. on that. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here, Michelle. Thank you so much. We had a lot of fun talking with you before. And, uh, Sandy, how do you... How should we get started? There's so many things to talk about today. Well, <laughs> there's so much. It was a wonderful pre-interview. We could have talked for many, many hours. Well, thank um, you, ladies. I really enjoyed it. We're so would, glad you're here. I was very interested when the first thing you mentioned to us was that you had a slight vision problem. Well, it's definitely a, uh, probably more than a slight vision problem. Um, I have worn glasses since I was seven years old, and uh, my mother is completely blind in one eye and legally blind in the other, and so I'm getting that as well. Um, so, and I was mentioned too, um, it had gotten a lot worse uh, after I moved to Colorado. My vision just got significantly worse. It was to the point where I was squinting in the grocery store and couldn't find things because I literally couldn't see. So, um, yeah, that's why I wear glasses. Sometimes I mix it up with contacts. And as we talked about, I'll be looking for a new ophthalmologist. Um, and one of the things that I've really liked uh, about Holly Creek is being able to go to the low vision group. Um, through that, I learned about special sunglasses that I use uh, to drive with at night that have the yellow tints to them, and I've learned a couple of things about lighting that have really helped me, so being at Holly Creek has helped me with that. Well, I think the residents that have low vision needs are happy to know that you can understand. Oh, very much. I can relate and understand to that, sure. yes. And you're even stylish. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. We have something to say about that because I have had people, and I have felt the same way. Um, sometimes you can, I see you in the hall, and I, if you don't have your glasses, I don't recognize you immediately. And I think, well, I think that might be Michelle. <laughs> so, you know, you just have a different look. And people have said sometimes you look like a teenager and sometimes the executive. But we did not say that this is the executive director, and that's very important. We're very happy to have you in that position. But you've been all over. You have been uh, in every, almost every phase of this Holly Creek. Uh, I think we, people have seen you from the dining room to the suites, <laughs> yeah, and walking up and down the halls, and once in a while you're in your desk when you have time. <laughs> Sometimes, um, and and I love that. You know, I've really loved uh, the experience that I've had so far because I learn, you know, from each of these situations, and it's it's just been really rewarding for me. And I think it helps me be a better executive director if I am able to be able to jump in in each of the departments. Now, you had a, a, one of your first jobs right, toward the end of your college life. And by the way, where, where did you go to college? 
I went to Louisiana State University. Go Tigers. <laughs> well, we'll talk more about some of those things earlier, but I want to hear about your first job and, and how you found help in the New York Times. Oh, okay. Th those are two, two situations. Two situations. Yes. Um, my very first job uh, near the end of college, um, my first real job, if you will, I... Um, I needed to go on interviews. I had never um, gone on a true interview, so it was my senior year in college, and it was Christmas break. And I um, started applying just to every single job that I could find in the classified ads. Uh, and my intent was not to get a job. My intent was to go on interviews. So when it was time for me to get a job, I would have some sort of interviewing skill. And we were at taking classes that taught us how to interview and this sort of thing. So just kind of on a whim, I decided to go on interviews, and I applied to all these places. And one called me back. It was called Louisiana Guest House, and it was um, – Looking, they were looking for a business office manager, and I thought, well, that sounds like an easy opportunity, an easy interview, you know, so I'll go. And I thought the whole time that Louisiana Guest House was um, a bed and breakfast, because we have a lot of bed and breakfast in Louisiana, and that just made sense to me. Um, but as I went on the interview, I realized I had no idea where this street was, that I had never heard of this street. And as I got to it, this was in a very poverty-stricken area of town um, that was also known for gang violence and things like that. Um, it was also right behind the charity hospital. And... Uh, I started to realize this is probably not a bed and breakfast because I didn't think this was much of a tourist area. Um, so I went to the interview anyway, and it turned out it was a nursing home. And so I sat through the interview, and I asked all my interview questions that I had learned, and I felt like it went really well. And one of the things I asked was how many other candidates he was interviewing. Uh, the gentleman who interviewed me, his name was Dunn Stockwell. And Dunn told me that he had four interviews that day and that I would be the, I was the second. So I thanked him for his time and went away. Well, by the time I got home, he called me and offered me the job. And I let him know that that was a big mistake on his part, that he really needed to do himself the favor and look at the other two candidates that he would have later that afternoon because I had zero experience. I had no knowledge, and I really had no intention of getting a job. Um, and I apologized and let him know that I was just there for the interview and using this as a life experience. So Dunn said, okay. And then 15 minutes later, he called me back and he offered me the job with more money. And then he told me that um, he would let me do what's called an AIT, which stands for Administrator in Training Program. And I had no idea what that was. Um, but he let me know that what that meant was I would get my license to be a nursing home administrator and I would take his job uh, because he was being promoted. And so I said, well, what does that pay? And he said, well, for someone with no experience, it's $65,000 a year. And being from Louisiana in 1999, I thought that was a ton of money. I could not believe my good fortune. So I took the job. 
<laughs> and that is how I entered into the uh, world of senior housing and started my career. And um, years later, I became a regional vice president for a company in Louisiana, and Dunn ended up working for me. Well, that ended your interviewing career. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. My interviews have been pretty easy ever since. Well, I think you're a convincing person, so <laughs> I, I can understand that. You're but there, there was another job. Oh, you you were asking about the New York Times. Well, oh. that, no. Oh. Uh, about oh. Oh. when you walked by before, the certain restaurant. Okay, before college, well, actually during college, this was uh, one summer, I was working at a hotel helping my mom's friend in the accounting department, and I'd do billing and things like that. And every day, you know, I'd leave at 5 o'clock, and I'd drive past this restaurant. I don't know if any of you are from the South, but the restaurant was called Shoney's Restaurant. And um, they're known for a really bad breakfast bar. Um, and so, uh, but they're also known for on Wednesday nights, kids eat free. So on Wednesday night from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m., Kids under 12 ate free. And to promote this, um, they had a, man, a person in a big bear costume, like a full bear costume, like you would see a football mascot or something like that. And he was out on the side of the street, and he would wave at cars, and sometimes he would just stand there. And every Wednesday, I drive by, and I think to myself, that bear could be doing so much more. That bear could be so much more exciting. And then it got to a point where it was frustrating me to see this bear and his lack of enthusiasm. So one day I just pulled in and I asked to speak to the manager and I told them that I wanted that job. And um, they were happy to give it to me. And I think I was the best bear ever. And it was by far my favorite job. I got to dance outside on the road for from five to eight. I got to go run into the restaurant and steal the children's french fries and move their plates around and dance with them and just have a great time. And I made five dollars an hour and it was probably the best job I've ever had in my entire life. How about real oh, estate signs? <laughs> I know. If I need to moonlight, you know where I'm going. Well, you've always had fun. Exactly, whatever, exactly. Whatever that you've done. Ex and that's so important. Tell us a little bit about your family, where you were born and, and uh, who sure. sat around your table. Sure. Um, I was born in Selma, Alabama. In 1972, and um, I grew up in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Um, all Vicksburg is really known for is a major battle, uh, battlefield and the Civil War Park, and uh, lots of hills and, you know, a good place to grow up, I think. You know, uh, people are relatively nice. It was, it was a good experience, but I have um, a younger sister and a younger brother, Wendy and Michael, and later in life, my mom remarried, and um, he, Joe, had two sons, uh, Joshua and Little Joe, and I still call him Little Joe today, and uh, they all still live in the South with the exception of Little Joe. He recently moved to Boulder, so... I'm glad to have family close by, but we still talk often. We celebrate holidays together. You know, it was a, it was a good experience. And your role in the family, you were the oldest. I what? I still am the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> didn't change. <laughs> no, still am. Oh, I'll backtrack. You are still. You are the oldest. And when you were younger, you took that older position in order to with your siblings 
I did. What, um, what did you like to do? You know, I was never a child that uh, played with dolls or wanted to have the responsibility of having children, I think. Um, so when we would play, I would always be the teacher. Um, I was always the teacher, and I would teach them math. That was really important to me because I had learned math, and I felt like I had mastered addition and subtraction. And then, oh, my, multiplication. So that became a thing. My sisters, my they've always uh, learned to do math way before school ever started by counting the toys and removing toys and adding toys and then learn to multiply with toys. So, yeah, that's something I've always done with them. And then later, my nieces and nephews, I've taught them math from really early on. So, Lucky children. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Do you see a lot of your children often? I know you have family all over. Um, I don't have children myself, per se, but yes, I have nieces and nephews, and they now have, um, I guess I have grand nieces and nephews. I don't see them as often as I would like, mm -hmm. but I hope to be able to get there more. Um, yeah. Now that I'm kind of acclimated here at Holly Creek, um, I do plan to take some time off soon. But there is one child that's pretty special to you. There is yeah. one child that's Tell amazingly yes. special to me. Her name is Sophia Banana. Um, that's not a real. Her name is Sophia Fraternali, uh, but she is always Sophia Banana to me. And tell, uh, tell us about your former husband. Oh goodness, guys! <laughs> <laughs> How you got Fraternali as a name? Oh goodness. Well, Simone Fraternali is my former husband, um, and he is Italian. He's from Florence, Italy. And uh, he is still there. Well, he's there now. We actually spoke again this morning. And um, when we met, he did have a daughter from a previous marriage. She was two. Her name is Sophia. And um, Sophia moved in with us when she was six years old. And so I helped raise her. And we're still wonderfully close today. I went home two, weeks, uh, two weekends ago um, to spend time with her. And uh, she and I went to some Mardi Gras parades, and we went to see Andrea Bocelli. Oh, boy. And, yeah, we're so still very close. Old? She's, oh. 20. She's 20. She's 20. She's 20. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And um, he's coming home in May to help her move into a new apartment. So I'll probably go down and help with that as well. Well, you have a good relationship all the way around with, Wonderful. with him. Yeah. yeah. And now... When Sophia was in kindergarten, there was something that led you into another job. <laughs> oh, that's true. I, um, I like to stay busy. And uh, when Sophia was in kindergarten, she got head lice. Um, he not headlights like on your car, but head lice, <laughs> the little bugs and nits in your hair. And that's pretty common for you know, young children to get that. And she had long, beautiful, thick, thick, thick hair. And they tend to really love that environment. So that was a special experience for us. And um, after going through the process, um, kind of unrelated, but the iPad came out. Um, it was 2010, and I saw the advertisements for the iPad, which is the tablet made by Apple, and I wanted to have that, so I purchased it, and they sent it to my house. And um, when you get a tablet, you're supposed to download apps onto it. And so the first app that I downloaded was the New York Times. And um, the first article that I read that same day 
was about a medical device that had just received FDA clearance, and it was it's used to treat head lice, exactly like what I had gone through with Sophia, um, except when I went through it, we had to use chemicals and you know, harsh shampoos and so forth, and then we had to rewash it later, and it was it was a terrible process. But this medical device used desiccation, so it uses warm air to just dry out the head lice, um, and then the little eggs, which are called nits, uh, it dries those out as well. So you don't have to use the chemicals, and it's really effective and. It works wonderful. And I thought, well, that's just fantastic. So I um, looked up who, who had done this, and it was the University of Utah. So I called them up, and I asked them, you know, what are you guys going to do with this? And they told me they weren't really sure what business direction they were going to go, but um, I told them that I would like to start a business, and I would like to use this, and I would like to, you know, help people who had the same problem that I did. And so they flew down to Baton Rouge, and they taught me how to use it, and I started a little business, and now I have two clinics in Louisiana where that's all we do is exclusively treat head lice in children. I've got one in Baton Rouge and one in Lafayette, Louisiana, and they're called Nitwits. Nitwits Professional Head Lice Services. kind of nit. Yeah, Nitwits. And, and you, you own both of these clinics. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't really have to do a lot with it. Uh, well, occasionally I do. I still order supplies for them, and I just remembered I need to order shower caps. Um, but I have a wonderful manager who really does everything. So I just like to still order supplies so I feel like I'm involved. Well, if anyone remembers those times in school, <laughs> you've done a great favor <laughs> to oh. children and to parents. Right. It's not a profitable business by any stretch of the imagination, but I really, truly believe that it's a community service. Mm -hmm. And I know that we've helped so many people. I mean, for the first several years, I took all the calls, making the appointments, and just listened to, you know, these parents uh, in, in just agony situations sometimes. It's, all, it's very interesting, the psychological effect that that has on a parent, and um, I feel like I would, I would be in big trouble if I tried to close that business. I bet you would. I would. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you mentioned that the people who did not have trouble with head lice. Those were the most difficult uh, clients that I had because, again, there's something psychological about it. There were so many people who did not have it, but they knew someone who did, or they heard that someone had it, and they believed that they had it. And that was the hardest clients because it was hard to convince people that they did not have it but they believed that they did. And so they would go on and on and say that, you know, maybe the treatment didn't work. But normally I wouldn't treat them at all. Um, but some people would insist on it, and they would come back and say, oh, it didn't work. I still have it. I'm like, but you never had it to begin with. So anyway. The imaginary itch. Yes, the imaginary itch. Uh, it's very real. Now, when you first came to Holly Creek, you, I remember hearing that you loved Halloween. Oh, yes, I do. What like your favorite, favorite holiday? <laughs> it started with a bear. <laughs> a it, is, it is probably my favorite. How it, it is my favorite Halloween. Pardon me. It is my favorite holiday because to me it's just fun. You know, I um, 
I don't participate in the scary parts of Halloween or anything like that. And I'll tell you a super quick story why. Um, my very first uh, job at Louisiana Guest House. Um, we had a conference room, and I had this idea for Halloween. We were going to turn this conference room into like a little haunted house for the neighborhood children and the children of the employees. And um, they would come on Halloween night, and they would trick-or-treat. And so all month long, for the whole month of October, the staff and I were building this Frankenstein's laboratory haunted house situation. And um, on the conference table, we built a fake person, and we filled some jeans with newspapers and things like that and other clothes. And we just made it look like a person, but it was really just a pile of clothes with a hat and a mask. And then on the day of Halloween, the, the night that we're all supposed to go into the room and help scare the little children, I asked one of my friends to come and put on the same clothes as the person on the table and put on the hat and put on the mask. And so we all took our positions and the lights are off and the little children come in and my friend sits up on the table and my staff lost their mind and were trampling over children to get out of there. <laughs> and so it made me realize maybe I should uh, be more careful or, or, or think things through a little better and maybe do things that are more fun and not scary. But, yeah, I love to dress up and, you know, just enjoy. Have fun. Have fun. That's really important to me. Well, you have um, presented us with a lot of interesting stories. <laughs> what is your vision for Holly Creek? You know, my vision is really um, to... All right, I have to say it, yes, uh, make dining absolutely fabulous. We're getting there. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Um, but also to look at ways that I can make Holly Creek safer um, through technology. Uh, I'm meeting with different companies right now to, to look at improvements we could make in that area. I recently read about another company that uses... Um, license recognition software in their uh, community. And so that was something I'm interested in. But what's important to me is to hear what the residents at Holly Creek want Holly Creek to be and the direction that they would like to go or they would like me to go. So it's important that I get feedback from residents about what you guys would like, what you would like to see. And um, I'll use that to make decisions. I, I think your um, ask me anything mm -hmm. suggestion is really valuable. I think you will have residents that will be bold enough now to come to you and maybe um, <laughs> with comments that can be helpful. I think you need to know those things and you want to know those things. Absolutely. And, and trust me, residents are bold enough now. <laughs> I, I get some great, great uh, cards sometimes. There are a couple that I've wanted to frame, actually. Um, oh. But, but, no, I really do appreciate the feedback because it really does help me to improve. And, you know, there are so many things that you guys see or you guys uh, look at from a different perspective, you know, as residents here. And I love that, you know, because I, I don't have that same insight. So it's really important that, you know, I, I just love feedback. So well, keep I, sending I've it. always been so impressed that you're willing to communicate, you know, with your letters 
and with your Hey Michelle. Well, thank you. The letters I, are great. Here. I've written you several yeah. Hey Michelle notes, uh, the majority complimentary, but I did have one complaint, and that was about the wine bottles. Oh, yes, and yes. you explained it very well, and now I understand, but can you tell us about those wine bottles? I was very bothered because I, give, I gave those wine bottles as gifts right. or to my children. Would you like me to explain why? Okay, yes. mm -hmm. sure. Um, one of the things that I had to do was renew our liquor license. And so since I was renewing it in my name, I had to go and get the fingerprints and do all the things. And so since we were changing the name of the person, um, people from Arapahoe County, or, no, City of Centennials, I, I forget. Anyway, they came out to talk to us about our liquor license and to make sure that I am of sound mind and body and capable of actually having a liquor license. And during that process, you know, we talked about all the ways that we sell the alcohol here. And we talked about the wine, and that got me in big trouble. Um, apparently, that's a clear violation of the liquor license that I had just obtained, and I was in danger of losing it quickly if I continued to sell bottles of wine. So, if you are an establishment to be able to sell bottles of wine, you have to have a retail license and be a retail establishment. And we are not a retail establishment. Uh, I even tried pointing out Molly's, but that did not cut it. And um, so we are a license for a hotel and restaurant uh, license, which means that I can only serve wine. I cannot sell it through retail. So that is why. I could go back to the practice, but it would probably last about a week, and then we'd lose our liquor license, and I would be in big trouble. <laughs> that would not be happy for the residents here. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. Well, it was nice that you explained it to us in your letter. Well, thank you. Thank you. Communication. I love to communicate. Man, you do <laughs> such a good job. Um, I'm going to ask a few questions that Patrick has sent out some sheets with... Um, conversation starters yes and um, we're going to ask you just for a few questions that are on those sheets and um, Sandy what did you ask that there's one question number three on that thing that could okay. be interesting if you could visit a different time in history what would it be and why I think it would absolutely be the 60s I love watching movies from that time period. I love watching news articles from that time period. It just seemed like such a, a an interesting time. There was, there was a lot going on in the world. Um, it, it just seems interesting. I, I would love the 60s. Okay, now tell us, have you ever had or currently owned pets? I do. I have a French bulldog. Uh, her name is Bacon, and she is a total little sweetheart, and I love her to death. Before that, I had an English bulldog named Pig, and that is how Bacon got her name, because she is a smaller, more condensed version of Pig. <laughs> you wanted a smaller dog. That's right. <laughs> a big English bulldog is a lot of responsibility and a lot of dog. Well, another one of Patrick's good questions is if you could pick one of the following, which would it be? Red wine and chocolate 
or beer and pizza? It would absolutely be red wine and chocolate. I tried beer in college. I drank Miller Lite and thought it was the most disgusting thing I had ever had in my <laughs> life. And I've never drank beer since. <laughs> and you Sandy, still enjoy wine. W- Sandy, what would that answer be for you? Um, it would be the same. <laughs> the red wine. I will third the motion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you had one magical or superpower, what would it be? Oh, this was a tough one for me yesterday because I knew that I wouldn't want to be invisible. I knew that I wouldn't want to fly because it's cold outside. Um, But I would love the ability to be the genie in the bottle, to be the one that grants wishes for people. You know, and I think that that's just the way we'll sum this up because Michelle is here with us. There are so many wishes. You have already fulfilled many of those wishes, and I know there are more to come. Michelle, we cannot thank you enough for your position as the executive director here at Holly Creek. Well, it's the second best job I've ever had. So, thank you. Well, the people. It was a great job. We love having you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And that's wanderings for today. So long.